Welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. As a community of faith, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus. Good morning and welcome to Easter Sunday at City Baptist Church. I'm really glad that you joined with us today as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to John chapter number 20 as we're going to look at the impact of the resurrection on those that were confronted with it face to face in the hours and days following the resurrection. You know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an essential and it is a critical aspect of the gospel message, and it is key to those of the Christian faith. And the reason it is key is because the resurrection proves that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, which was the very Son of God. And what that means then for us is that his death was the atonement necessary to pay the penalty for our sins. Somebody once said that the empty cross and the empty tomb are God's receipts to us, showing that our sin debt has been paid. Now, we recognize that from the very beginning, there have been those that have tried to disprove the resurrection. And we could go on and on and talk about all of the actual proofs of the resurrection, the eyewitnesses, the testimony that we see in the Word of God. But today, what I want to point out is that one of the greatest proofs of the resurrection is the radically transformed lives of those that have been confronted with the truth of Jesus Christ. Many of you that are watching today, your life is a testimony to what God can do in a person when you gave into and you surrendered to his salvation call in your life. This morning in John chapter 20, as we study these uh, people who were impacted by the resurrection, I hope that you'll recognize and see that that power still remains today. This wasn't just something that made a difference 2,000 years ago. It still continues to make a difference in people's lives today. And I'm excited about sharing that with you here in these next few minutes. But I want to begin with a word of prayer to get started today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to learn from you. Thank you for giving us this record. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and for giving us assurance of a home in heaven through the resurrection. As we look at these examples today in our passage, I pray that you'd help each of us to see in our own lives, the power of the resurrection and the difference that you can make in our lives. We pray that you uh, would do a great work in our hearts today. In your name we pray, amen. I'm gonna begin this morning in John chapter 20. I'm beginning reading in verse number one. It says, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene uh, early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. You know, as early Sunday morning arrived, Mary Magdalene, of course, who was very close to the Lord Jesus, arrived with some other women. Mark's uh, gospel account tells us that as they were walking to go there, they were wondering how it was that they're going to be able to remove the stone from the front of the tomb that had been put there to seal uh, the body in. There were Roman guards that were there. They were not sure how it was going to happen. But you can imagine their surprise when they arrived there at the tomb and they found it completely uh, open. You imagine the shock as they entered in and uh, found the body missing. And so we see them turn then and they ran and they went back to tell uh, Simon Peter and the Apostle John about what they had seen. Look down at verse number three. It says, Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter. And came first to the sepulcher. And he stooped down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. 
Well, as Mary came and told the other two disciples, Peter and John, about what she had seen, they took off running for the tomb to see it for themselves. I always find it so interesting. It's such a man thing for John to do, to include here that he outran Peter, that he was faster than Peter was. And it says that he got to the tomb first, but he stopped at the outside, but Peter just ran right on in. We look down at verse number six to continue the story. It says, Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. So they see these two clothes and uh, the, the one that had wrapped the body and the one that was around his head were separate. Verse 8, then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, that's John, and he saw, and I want you to notice, it says he saw and he believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went away again into or unto their own home. You know, as these two men entered the tomb that morning, they saw the linens that should have been wrapped around the body of Jesus Christ, but they found them completely empty of his body. What a moment that must have been for Peter and John. If you could just imagine what it would be like to be there, to see these grave clothes, and yet the body is completely gone. I love how John responded that he saw and then he believed. You know, that's my prayer for some of you today. That as you're confronted with the reality of the resurrection, that you would see, you would understand, and that you also would believe. But what about, what about Mary? It doesn't have, record for us any conversation at all. They just took off running and she stayed back, I guess, where she had found them. But as we pick up the story in John chapter 20, we're going to look at Mary in verse number 11. And we're going to begin to see how the power of the resurrection begins to reveal itself in changes in the lives of those who were confronted with it. And as we consider these three points that I want to cover this morning, I believe that each of us should be asking ourselves the question, have I also seen the transformational power of the resurrection in my life? Now, the first change that we see here in our message is that we see Mary's tears are turned to joy. If you're writing notes, write down tears are turned to joy. I love this in verse number 11. It says, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. So she had returned to it and she stood outside and she was weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. And they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord and I know not where. They have laid him. Mary entered the tomb and she saw those two angels. Tells us that her eyes were filled with tears as she saw them. And they asked her, why are you crying? Now to us, if you go to a cemetery and you see somebody crying, that's kind of an actual, uh, it's kind of an unkind question. Like obviously you're at, uh, at a cemetery. But these angels who already knew what had taken place, these angels who knew the impact that this would have on her life, asked Mary, why is it? that you are crying. And so she responds, but I fear that someone has taken away the body. She was afraid of the implications uh, to her and to her friends, the followers of Christ. If it looked like someone had stolen the body, she was concerned. But then as we continue to read, we see that she suddenly in the midst of that sensed somebody else was in the tomb. Look at verse 14. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Verse 15 says, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Now she, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, 
and I will take him away. Mary sensed that someone was there, and as she turned around, her eyes were still filled with tears. I don't know if you've ever been at that point where you had so many tears in your eyes that you couldn't even recognize somebody. Some believe that maybe it was just a supernatural blindness that she was going through at the time. But when she turned and she looked at Jesus, she did not recognize that he was standing right in front of him. You know, many people live that way through their lives. They're in sorrow, they're in difficulty, and they're searching for answers And yet they can't even recognize that Jesus is standing right in front of them, that his truth is right there in front of them, that the word of God is right there for them to take hold of and to find the help that they need and the salvation that they are seeking. But Mary is trying to grasp what has happened to Jesus and she thinks he's a gardener. So she assumes he would know what happened to the body. She says, hey, if you move the body, can you tell me where he is? And and, uh, can you imagine her reaction when she realized she was standing right in front of her living Lord? Look again at verse 16. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. I wonder what the inflection of his voice was like when he said to her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. As soon as he said her name, she recognized who it was. And she says, Master. She would have run to him, I'm sure. Would have wanted to hug him and hold him. But look what it says here. Jesus saith unto her, touch me not because I'm practicing social distancing. No, he's not, that's not what he's saying. But he says, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Again, try to put yourself in that place as the joy would have flooded her soul and her heart when she recognized and heard her Savior saying her name. It reminds me of the verse in John 10, 27, where it says that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Hey, I wonder, do you recognize the voice of God when he speaks to you? Now, she desired to cling to him, but Jesus stopped her and he's telling her there's still some important work that needs to be done. This was not the last time that they were going to see each other. He was alive. She would see him again. And because of that, she was given then a fresh mission and a fresh purpose to begin to tell other people that Jesus is alive. Did you see that there in that passage? Man, that he says, I want you to go and I want you to tell others what you have seen here. And for us today as Christians, the fact that Jesus is alive can turn our tears to joy. And that joy that comes from knowing he is alive uh, is it should come from a, a, a should outflow out of our lives where we desire to go and to tell other people about the change that can come. We can begin to understand what Psalm 30 and verse number five means when it says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is what comes in the morning. You know, for those of you that are watching today, I don't know uh, what pain you have been through. I don't know what sorrow you are in personally right now, but I do know this. Our risen Savior is the source of true joy. And no matter what you're facing today, I want you to understand that Jesus is hope. Jesus is life. Jesus is forgiveness. Jesus is strength. Jesus is our purpose to continue to go on. And when we begin to understand uh, that true uh, purpose for living, that, that we are to magnify Christ, that we are to lift him up, that we are to tell others about, uh, about um, what he has done for us, it is then that we can begin to see our sorrow, we begin to see our pain, and we begin to see our trials minimized as we magnify him. You know, if you want to be free and live free from the sorrow that brings you tears and the sorrow that uh, brings you difficulty, you've got to look to the living Savior. 
Look to the living Savior because he is going to give you true purpose to continue on and true purpose for your life ahead of you. Well, Mary began that day in tears, but she headed home full of joy. And I love that. She headed home full of joy and with a new purpose to tell others about her risen Savior. But even though Mary was convinced, the other disciples were still a little bit uncertain. And so as Mary goes back to tell the other disciples, we again see the power of the resurrection, where secondly, this morning, we see that fear is turned to courage. Mary's tears were turned to joy. We're about to see how the disciples' fear is now turned to courage. I want you to look now at verse number 19 of John chapter 20. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, so that Sunday night, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, so they're locked up, they're afraid. Then, it says, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad. I want you to notice that. They were glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me. And here's the key phrase, Even so send I you. You know, the news that uh, had begun to spread that Jesus was not uh, in the tomb, that he was resurrected, the rumors would have been flying fast. The disciples, I'm sure, were concerned that people were going to come to them accusing them, and they did accuse them of stealing uh, the body, and there was fear that there would have been some repercussions. And so we find the disciples locked up, hidden away in a nondescript place behind shut doors, and they were hiding because they were afraid. And it was in this moment that they're hiding, that they're, uh, they're afraid, they're concerned, the doors are locked, I'm sure, that Jesus suddenly appears uh, in this room with a message of peace. Now, if you've ever had somebody... Uh, frighten you or walk into a room unexpectedly, the last thing you uh, have in your own heart is peace. You're startled, you're concerned. And imagine as he appears and the first thing he says to them and encourages them with, he's like, listen, I want to bring you a message of peace. Now, if you know the story before and how the disciples responded, you would almost think that Jesus would have come in and rebuked them maybe, maybe chastised them for their cowardly actions uh, during the events of the crucifixion. But Jesus instead comes to them like it t t tells us in Psalm 103, verse 10, where it says that he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He did not come in and, and be vengeful and trying to give them payback and say, what was wrong with you guys? Jesus, as the risen Savior, came to those disciples that were hiding out in fear, and he brought to them a message of peace. And I'm so thankful this morning that we serve a God that's not a vengeful God. We're not a God who's trying to uh, get payback against us for the way that we have treated him. God always deals with us with love, with forgiveness, and with kindness. It reminds me of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. This is God speaking. I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. See, Jesus appeared to these fearful men and who were hiding out of fear for themselves, and he comes to them with a greeting of peace, just as he continues to do today. You see, the, mes the message of the resurrection, church, is a message of peace. See, man had declared and has declared war against God, but God still declares peace towards those who would turn to him. He said it himself, Jesus did in John 14, verse 27, where he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. It's not a peace, it says, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. 
Then he said this, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, just as Jesus came to this earth as a baby for the purpose of providing eternal peace, he returned to these men with a greeting of peace and a reassurance of who he was. Look down again at verse 19 through 21. It says in verse 20, and when he had said so, in verse 19, he said, peace be unto you, verse 20. And when he had said so, he showed on them his hands and his side. It says, then they were glad when they saw the Lord. But verse 21 here is key. It says, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. Jesus showed him his wounded hands, his wounded side, not only as an identification of who he was, but evidence that the price for salvation had been paid. You know, the only way that you and I can find true peace with God is because of the sacrifice that Jesus did pay on the cross for us. You know, in our fears, we can try to lock Jesus out of our lives, yet he always comes to us with grace and reassurance through his word. And so as those disciples were there huddled in fear and Jesus came with a message of peace, their fear turned to gladness. But then Jesus gave him a commission there, the end of verse 21, where he says, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. You know, the most natural response in all the world to a risen Savior is to tell somebody else about it. If you've ever been around a small child or a, a young person that's accepted Christ as their Savior, one of the most early reactions is that, hey, I need to go and tell my family. I need to tell my friends about what Jesus has done. See, Jesus was sent from God to seek and to save those that were lost. And that same commission is given to us today. And he gave it to those disciples and he said, listen, you need to eliminate this fear and you need to stand up with courage. You need to go now and begin to tell other people about the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. I find it so great as you move your way through the uh, New Testament, the furthering chapters, and then into the book of Acts, that what we discover is that just 48 days later after this, these same men who are hiding in a room for fear of the Jews would be boldly preaching the gospel to crowds of thousands. They would be the ones that would be taking the word of truth to uh, all around the known world, spreading the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, how is it possible? How do these guys go from hiding in a room to now sharing the truth of the word of God with people all around the world? Well, they got a hold of the life-changing power of the resurrection. And when they recognized that Jesus was standing right in front of them as a resurrected Lord, they then were able to go and had the courage to go out and share the truth with others. Too often as Christians, we are afraid to live for God. Too often we are afraid to stand up and to share the truth with somebody else. We are afraid of what they might say. We're afraid of what they might do. But listen, church, as Christians, we are to have the same commission as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends us. And we are to go out and tell others with courage that Jesus Christ is alive. You know, the resurrection is a powerful truth. And as the days continue, we're going to look at one more life-changing event that took place. First, we saw Mary's tears turn to joy. Then we saw the disciples' fear turn to courage. But there's an individual now that we'll see where their doubt is turned to belief. Number three today, we see doubt is turned to belief. I want you to look down at verse number 24. It says, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them, when Jesus came, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, 
This is a sad phrase. He says, I will not believe. I often wonder why Thomas wasn't with those other disciples as they met on the evening of that resurrection Sunday. Was he so disappointed in what had taken place that he just simply didn't want to be around anybody else? You know, sometimes I feel that way. Maybe some of you feel that way. You're just so disappointed. I just don't want to be around anyone else. I want to encourage you that when you are discouraged, when you are feeling defeated, that's the best time to connect with people in community. But either way, we see here Thomas missing out on seeing Jesus for the first time. And so when he met with the disciples again, they told him, we've seen the Lord. And he says, I don't know. I don't believe it. He did not even believe the testimony of those that he had spent the most time with over the last three years. Thankfully, though, Jesus was about to give him a second chance. So look down at verse number 26. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within. So eight days later, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, he says, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. You know, eight days later, we still see the disciples sort of staying behind shut doors. Their courage, I think you could say, was taking a little bit to develop here. But the same thing happens again, and this time Thomas is in the room. And so Jesus addresses him. He gives him a message of peace, but he then immediately turns his attention to Thomas. Jesus, of course, being God, already knew about his doubt, and so he granted to him his request for physical proof. And he told him, he said, touch my hands and touch my side. And it's there that we see Thomas move from doubt to belief as he proclaims Jesus where he says, my Lord and my God. And I'm so thankful this morning that God lowers himself to our own level of experience in order to lift us up to where we need to be. God willingly brings people and situations into our lives to help point us to himself. God will always give us a chance to proclaim and to understand that he is Lord, Lord over all. And I have to ask this morning, have you, like Thomas, made that declaration where you've made Jesus your Lord and you've made him the God of your life? Or are you like Thomas right now, still doubting the truth? I want you to notice in verse 29, as Jesus continued to speak to him, where it says that Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they, this is key, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You know, though Thomas proclaimed Jesus to be his Lord and his God, Jesus corrected Thomas because he had to see, he had to physically touch Jesus before he would have believed. You know, some people say that. They'll say, well, if I could touch Jesus, or if I could see some sort of physical thing, then I would believe. But Jesus says the person is blessed if they can believe without actually seeing. What he's saying here is that we have all of the proof that we need through the testimony of those that were the eyewitnesses. Now, today, 2,000 years later, we still have the testimony of the eyewitnesses through the Word of God. We still have it right here. And what Jesus is trying to say is that it is not necessary to see him in the flesh. It is not necessary to touch him in order to believe. It was certainly a blessing for those early Christians to have that opportunity. But it is more blessed if you believe without physically touching him. And we can believe today by trusting and believing his word. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 tells us, So then faith 
cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We can enter into a relationship of faith simply by hearing the word of God. See, Jesus' desire was that Thomas would have believed the testimony of the disciples. I, I think that's what he decided, or that, that's what Jesus desired. You know, the disciples that had seen the empty tomb and they told him, said, we have seen him. God's desire is that Thomas would have believed it, but instead he desired that proof. That's why Jesus said, and those that have believed and yet have not seen are the ones that are blessed. And that's what God still desires for us. You know, John chapter 20, the end of the passage here, I want to point this out because John continues and he gives us and he talks more about the idea of believing without seeing. He says, in many other signs, truly did Jesus in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book. He talks about all the things that Jesus did that are not in this book. But verse 31, but these are written. So these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. See, John closes this chapter by telling us why he wrote it. And the reason that he wrote it is so that we would read it and we would believe the testimony and we would put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. And that through our belief, we would then begin to experience the living hope that the resurrection gives us. You know, the resurrection that we celebrate today has power. It has the power to give joy to the sorrowing. It has power to give courage to the fearful. And the resurrection has the power to give belief to the doubting. So I wonder, where are you today on that spectrum? Where are you today on that spectrum? Are you in need of encouragement at this point? Are you maybe feeling a little discouraged, a little depressed about the circumstances that you're in or the circumstances of our world around us? Can I encourage you today, would you look to the resurrected Savior for the joy of heaven? And that's the great thing about it. You can look to the resurrection and realize that Jesus is who he said he was. And so because of that, you can be assured of your home in heaven. And that should give you great joy, even in discouraging times. Uh, Maybe some of you are fearful today. Can I challenge you to look to the proofs of the resurrection and the purpose that is given to us as believers for courage today? You're maybe fearful about certain things. Listen, take courage that God has given you a purpose and God has you on this earth in this moment for this time. And you need to pursue His calling to all of us, which is to share His truth with others. But maybe there are some of you that are doubting today. Maybe some of you that are unbelieving. Can I encourage you today to repent of the sin of unbelief? And would you trust in Christ's sacrifice for your sins? Would you stop looking to your own good works? Would you stop looking to maybe the traditions that you've grown up with? And would you place your faith in Jesus Christ today? Would you follow the call of Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 that says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you also recognize what Acts chapter 4, 12, that tells us, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Listen, there is life in the name of Jesus Christ. There is hope in the resurrected Savior today. The only reason there is hope, the only reason there is a power is because of the resurrection. See, man tried to silence him, but he broke the power of sin. He broke the power of death and the grave could not hold him. And today we can have new life in Jesus Christ because we have a risen Savior and he loves you and he cares for you today. I want to encourage you this morning as we have a time of reflection in just a moment 
If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you do not know for sure that if you left this earth today, that heaven would be your home, I want to ask you to do something this morning for me, if you don't mind. The first thing I would ask you to do is that you would spend a moment in careful reflection and searching your own heart and in prayer. Cry out to God and say, God, if this is a decision that I need to make, if I need to trust you, maybe you are trusting in tradition. Maybe you're trusting in, in something that you did even as a small child. But if you need to turn to Christ in faith, would you ask God and say, God, would you show that to me? And the second thing I would ask you to do is I'd ask you to reach out to us through our website. If you would go and hit right there on the live.citybaptist.ca, uh, you could hit the request of prayer and send us a message right there. Or you can go to citybaptist.ca and you can contact us through any of the contact forms there and let us know about your desire to be saved. There's also more information about salvation uh, on the website if you go to the tab that says Good News, and it'll explain everything in, in depth. And I encourage you today to trust Christ as your Savior. Turn to Him in faith in the resurrected Savior. If you're a Christian today, during our time of reflection, I want to encourage you with this. What is the impact of the resurrection in your life? Has it truly made a difference to you? Does it help you overcome your fear? Does it help you uh, um, have courage to tell other people about Him. You know, that's what the call was, is to tell other people about the resurrected Savior. Maybe you've fallen out of practice with that. People who go to your Facebook profile or your Instagram account would maybe not even know that you're a Christian. And God's co commission to us is still the same, to share the truth of Jesus Christ. And so, as we have a time of reflection today, I wanna to encourage you to spend some time in prayer and ask yourself, am I living in light of the hope that we see for the resurrected Savior. We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue His will for your life.